0: You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Roman Podcast. So there was a guy named Joe, and he had a roommate named Jamie, and his mom was always curious about this roommate situation, never knew. It's like, is there more to this than what you guys are telling me? And Joe's like, Mom, I'm telling you, we're just roommates. There's no hanky-panky going on. Does anybody use that word anymore? Those words, hanky-panky? It's just me, I'm aging myself, and so there's no hanky-panky going on, Mom, and to make you just feel reassured, hey, let's have you over for dinner this coming weekend, and so his mom said, great. So his mom comes for dinner, and they have a great time and a great dinner, and then she leaves and goes home. And not too long after that, Jamie comes up to Joe and says, Joe, like, the gravy ladle's missing, and I don't know how to say this to you, but I think your mom took it. And Joe's like, man, what? Like, my mom is one of the most honest people I know. It couldn't have been my mom. But nonetheless, Joe said, okay, I'll, I'll send her an email. I don't really know how to approach this with her. It's going to be sensitive, so let me send her an email. So Joe sent his mom an email, and it went something like this. Hey, Mom, I'm not saying you did take the gravy ladle, and I'm not saying you didn't take the gravy ladle. I'm just letting you know the gravy ladle is missing, and I'm just wondering if you can help me out. Not too long after that, Joe received an email back from his mom that sounded something like this. Hey, Joe, I'm not saying you are sleeping with Jamie, and I'm not saying you're not sleeping with Jamie, but if Jamie were sleeping in her own bed, she would have already found the gravy ladle. (laughs) Yeah, let it sit. There it is. Right there, it landed. All right. Yeah, today, I want to talk to us about integrity. Today, I want to talk to us about integrity, and our main text is going to come out of Psalm 15, even though we're going to be all over scripture. And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn them open, turn them on, and you can find your way over to there. And if you're new with us today, we've actually been in this series called Retro that we're concluding today. And the the idea behind this series was for us to revisit some things that we feel are timeless. And the reason we're revisiting them is because because we think they're timeless, we've also seen that we've lost sight of them. And so we revisited things like the church and the original purpose of the church. And then last week we talked about hospitality. But today I wanna talk to us about Integrity, and it probably won't take a lot of convincing on my part to show you that integrity should fall into this category, that integrity is probably something that with time, and it's not even that it's something from the past, like it's probably something we consistently lose sight of, something that we need to consistently come back to because of how easily we drift from it. One of the definitions you've likely heard of integrity, and I I like it as well, But one of the things that you've probably heard about integrity is it's who you are when no one else is looking. And this is a great definition to share, especially with your kids. I was talking to my kids the other night around the dinner table and I said, hey, dad's going to be preaching on the subject of integrity in a couple days. How would you define that? And uh, they they piped up really quick. Integrity is who you are when no one else is looking. So Trace Kids is doing a great job because we teach that to your kids uh, on an ongoing basis. But I'm not sure, as much as I like that definition, I'm not sure it completely captures the entire essence of what integrity is, or maybe what it isn't. You see, I believe that integrity is never going to be something that we just kind of arrive at. Instead, I believe it's something that our lives must aim for. It has to be an intentional process. It has to be something that we're focusing on. And maybe I should remind you this morning that if you don't know where you wanna end up, Like, if you don't have an idea in mind, if you don't know where you want to end up, you will walk through this life aimlessly. Now, I'm no sociologist, but it seems that with the rise of social media and smartphones and maybe the internet altogether, it seems like the opportunities for us to compromise integrity have substantially increased, which is why I believe we can't take a passive approach to this subject. This can't be something that we just kind of yeah, maybe I should think about that more often. I believe it has to be an aim of our life, something that we have to intentionally pursue because you know well, as well as I do that when we lack integrity, it's not only affecting our lives, it's affecting the lives of people around us. And people who lack integrity, man, it has a tendency... To put us in a position at times, and you probably know this if you're thinking of somebody, that you're just not sure if you know, if you can trust them. You almost feel unsafe around them. There's something about dishonesty, which is an aspect, not the only aspect, but an aspect of integrity that we often feel when it's not present. And guys, if we do take a passive approach to this, if you take a passive approach to this, I think you're going to fall flat on your face every single time. And so let me add a word, a couple words of emphasis here uh, before we dive into the text. Here's the first thing that I would tell you. It's because of a lack of integrity that I think people are leaving the church. Many of you and most of you are probably old enough. You've lived enough life to know that there have been people in my position that have compromised their integrity in great ways, in major ways. And it's why a lot of people will leave the church. They'll point to that particular person, a pastor, and say, see, it's all a bunch of nonsense. That's why I'm not coming back. That's why I'm done with the church. And I need to let you know that although I'm not a perfect individual, I've committed, I have committed my life to be a man of integrity. I may not always be the best preacher. You're gonna find other churches that probably have a lot better preachers than me, better pastors. But I promise you, as your pastor, I'm committing my life. And if you talk to the people who know me well, they would tell you, I've committed my life to being a man of integrity. I take this seriously because I know that people will leave the church. They shouldn't, but they'll even give up on Jesus because of the decisions that I make. Friends, it's because of a lack of integrity that marriages fall apart, that friendships fall apart. It's because of a lack of integrity that we don't trust our politicians today. Maybe you don't trust people altogether. It's hard for us to even trust the information that we're receiving through media and through different news sources because of a lack of integrity. So maybe we could all conclude to at least some extent that it's a lack of integrity that is breaking down the moral fabric of our society. And so is this a subject that we need to spend some time on? Absolutely. And so I'm not here to coddle your ears today. I just need to let you know that I'm here to get in your face a little bit and get in my face a little bit. Because when it comes to this subject, I believe it's incredibly important. And we have to be careful that as followers of Jesus that we don't think that, the word that we're the exceptions because we're you know just because we believe and worship a holy God doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle the same way that our friend who doesn't believe in Jesus is going to struggle. We're going to be tempted just the same. And so even though we shouldn't see ourselves as the exception, we should see ourselves as the example because I believe Jesus is urging us to be the example. This world needs more examples. It doesn't need more information. This world needs more examples. And just like I said a moment ago, we need more people that are living lives of integrity because I believe it's attractive. I believe they become beacons of light. I bet you're like me when you think about, man, some of the people that have probably been monumental in your life, that have been the best encouragers, that have modeled something for you that is different than what you see in the world. I bet one of the number one attributes that you could probably point to is that they were a man or a woman of integrity. Integrity is attractive. And as followers of Jesus, it will give us an opportunity through that attraction as we live lives of integrity to point to a holy God. I've done my fair share of marriage counseling over the years, and I have seen marriages overcome incredible odds. And if I'm being honest with you today, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, uh, but oftentimes even when I'm like, man, this marriage has no hope. That sounds horrible, doesn't it, coming from a pastor And that's why I'm thankful that I'm not the Holy Spirit, that I'm not Jesus. And God has shown me time after time again, Aaron, don't ever lose hope for anyone because I'm in the business of transforming lives. And so I've learned that with time. But one of the things that I've also seen is that one of the hardest things for any couple to overcome is when a seed has been sown of dishonesty. And I'm not just talking about a little lie here or there, but when there's been so much dishonesty within a relationship, That it's hard to even believe that the spouse, whoever that is, the man or the woman, is even ever going to say something true. That is incredibly hard to overcome, which is why I make this statement all the time. Never use, nope, that's not the statement I make. Uh, Let me go back here. (laughs) Where is my statement? This is embarrassing. This is hilarious. Okay, yeah. Anyway, that's a good statement too. All right, never use past failures to interpret your future effectiveness. But here's the statement, I don't, it's somewhere on there. Here's the statement that I often make is, um, the best thing that you can contribute to any relationship is honesty. The best thing that you can contribute to any relationship is honesty. And so let me do this right now. Let me, let me just stop and let me say a prayer for us. And then we're gonna jump into the text and we're gonna look at Psalm 15 and we're gonna look what the Psalm David, the psalmist David says about the subject of integrity. Let me pray. Father, as we approach your word this morning, God, I pray that you would guide us, that you would give us what we need to hear, because everybody might need to hear something different this morning. And so, God, I pray that you would you would guide us where we need to be, you would guide us where you want us to go. Because ultimately, when it comes to the subject of integrity, all of us have likely drifted at times. If not. We're in, this, we're in a place and a space right now where we feel compromised. And so God, I pray, I pray that you would show up and show off of how you're still in the business of transforming lives, no matter if we've already messed up, no matter if we feel like because we've compromised, uh, that there's no hope for us because failure isn't final and we shouldn't use it as a filter to determine our future effectiveness. And so God, I pray that you would just give us ears to hear this morning and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's jump into Psalm 15, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this entire passage, uh, and then we're going to break it down bit to, bit by bit to build a framework of what it means to be a person of integrity. Here's how it begins: "Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain." Now that sounds maybe a little bit foreign to us, but if I could translate that for us, I would say something like this: God, who do you want to sit at your table?" Now, through Jesus, we know that we're saved through his grace. And so it's not anything that we have to do to earn his love or favor. But if I were to look at this, I think the context is a little bit different where it's like, God, who's living in such a way that you would invite them to sit at your table? And then the psalmist David begins in verse two. He says, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. So let's begin with the first point that he makes, and we'll begin to build this case. The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart do you know that the average American actually hears 200 lies every single day? And I don't think any of us wake up in the morning and kind of sit out for our day thinking, you know what, let's make it 201. Like, I don't think we do that intentionally. But all of us are subjected to being dishonest. All of us are completely capable of being dishonest. If you give us the right circumstances or the wrong circumstances, it is not that hard for any of us to not tell the truth, or maybe to not tell the full truth. And for what it's worth, does anybody know what te- not telling or what telling a half truth is? It's a lie. And so I think all of us are subjected to this and have to be careful with this because there are things that sometimes maybe it's just like, man, if I were to expose the full truth here, it wouldn't make me look good. And so everything in us just says, hey, let's just it's just a little lie. It's just being just a little bit dishonest. And so we start to veer away from integrity. One of the things I've noticed about life in general is when we invite things into our life, when we expose our life to certain things, when we begin to bring into our life certain habits that we don't want other people to know about, in other words, we want to hide them, we don't want them to be exposed, what happens is integrity becomes more elusive. One of the ways that I've described this before in the past is this idea of kind of opening doors. What we do is we we open a door and we just flirt with something just a little bit where it's like, man, it seems like everybody else around me is kind of doing this and maybe we use the same excuses we used in junior high. It's like, don't most men do this? Don't most women do this? And so we crack a door, whatever that door is, but what we fail to realize sometimes is when we crack a door that the, our Heavenly Father is trying to stay closed, trying to keep closed, trying to seal closed, when we crack that door, our enemy sticks his foot in it And it's called a stronghold. It can become a stronghold. And what we don't know is once he gets his foot in that door and we've cracked that door, what happens is his presence and the influence of whatever door we just opened makes it a lot easier to continue to crack other doors. And with time, this begins to influence us and we allow things into our life that we don't want exposed. And then we have to put on this facade and we have to pretend that something is not happening that's probably happening. And then we have to lie to cover it up and integrity becomes more and more elusive. One of the things, uh, Julie, you're probably seeing now that I'm now catching up to where my notes were earlier. This amazing statement really quick that I was gonna make, your greatest contribution to any relationship is honesty. I completely got my notes wrong there. And so let me just say it and just give me one of those tasty thoughts. like, mmm, your greatest contribution to any relationship is honesty. Thank you, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your pastor needs some charity this morning. Completely skipped over a whole section of my notes. Guys, this is so important. Because when trust goes, listen to me, love goes. When trust goes, love goes. But when, when trust grows, love grows. Not too long ago, I was talking with a group of people about the importance of being honest, just telling the truth. And I was talking with this group of people, as guys and gals, and not too long after that, one of the guys that was in this group, he came back and told me this later, he found himself at the DMV. And while he was, while he was at the DMV, um, they asked him a question. He was there to renew a license, an out-of-state license plate. And I don't know if you know this, but like, if you wait too long, if you move from out-of-state, if you wait too long, you're penalized. You have to pay a fine. And so they asked him, hey, have you been, and I can't remember the exact time frame, but let's just say it was nine days. Have you been in this state longer than 90 days? And they didn't know one way or another, and he had been. But inside of him, it's like, I can easily just say, no, I haven't been here 90 days so that he can avoid paying that fine. And he told me, he said, I probably would have been dishonest if you wouldn't have had that conversation with me about being a truth teller. Guys, sometimes we just need to be reminded, don't we? Sometimes we need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. Let me remind you of what Solomon says in Proverbs 12. He says, The Lord detests, detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. Let's pick up in verse 3. A person of integrity is someone whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slur on others. You've likely heard it said that those who gossip to you will also gossip about you. And... I've lived enough life up till now to probably examine and and say that, yeah, that's probably a true statement. But one of the things that I think we fail to look at, and the part of gossip that we don't spend enough time talking about is the passive part. In other words, when you're on the other end of someone gossiping to you about someone else, as followers of Jesus, it's not just our job to, to bridle our tongue and not to gossip about others, but it's to put an end to it when we're on the receiving end of it. So when someone is gossiping to you about someone else, maybe for those of you that are a little bit more bold in the room, you just step up and say, you know what, I'm not comfortable talking about them right now because they're not in this room with us. Now, I know not everybody in here is probably that bold, and so maybe you could counteract their negative gossip with a positive comment about the person they're talking about. So let's just say it's Tom. And as they're saying something negative about Tom, you could always say, you know what? (laughs) I think Tom's awesome. You know what I love about Tom? he's got great teeth, you know, something, you bring, make it up, whatever it is, because it's not going to take much for them to realize like, oh, oh yeah, maybe what I am saying is negative, because sometimes you just need to be reminded, you just need to be reminded more than you need to be taught. Reminds me of a lady named Ruby who lived in a small city, and she was a part of a small Baptist church, and she got the reputation really quick, Of being someone who gossips about other people, and so people learn. It's like, man, don't tell Ruby anything unless you want that to be shared with the whole town. And so one day, Ruby was up really early in the morning and heading to work, and she saw Tom, the guy with the good teeth. Tom, uh, she saw Tom um, at the bar, uh, saw his truck parked outside of the local bar, 6 a.m. in the morning. And so Ruby concluded, well, man, if Tom's truck is parked outside of the bar at 6 a.m., then Tom's an alcoholic, right? And so she goes and tells everyone that this guy Tom is an alcoholic. She tells everybody at church, she tells everybody in the city, and it finally gets back to Tom. And some of Tom's friends say, man, what are you gonna do about this? Like, she's been slandering your name, telling everybody you're an alcoholic. Are you gonna give her a piece of your mind? And he said, no, I'm just gonna park my truck outside her house all night long. (laughs) What we say it matters. What we say matters. And the Bible is full of warnings of how we use our tongue. Let me give you three examples from three different people. And I want you to pay attention to the narrative that's being built. In Proverbs 18, Solomon says, the tongue, it can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences In 1 Peter 3, Peter says, Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. In Matthew 15, Jesus says, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. You see, there's something about what we allow to come out of our mouth that shapes who we are and what others think of us. Maybe the best way I've ever heard it said is this. Your mouth is your heart's microphone. Your mouth is your heart's microphone. And so listen to me. If you struggle in this area, hopefully you have enough self-awareness, hopefully you have enough emotional intelligence to know whether or not, you know what? I have a tendency to do this. I have a tendency to do this. And if you have a tendency to do this, I need to let you know it's a heart issue. And so my encouragement to you would be to pray first, God, would you help me to bridle my tongue? And maybe the best advice that I could give you would come out of Proverbs 17 when Solomon says, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Has anybody else ever heard from the Holy Spirit and all he said was, shut up. Like seriously, just shut, just stop talking. And you're going to do yourself a big favor right now. And I think Solomon's what he's saying. It's like, even a fool looks to be wise when he keeps his mouth shut. But I would encourage you to spend some time praying here. Because here's what I know about praying people. Praying people typically don't compromise quickly. And so I would encourage you to pray. God, would you just show me, like, what is it? Is it my insecurity that causes me to freely talk about other people? Is it a hard issue that I haven't even thought through? Is it Is it something that I just need you to reveal to me? And in that process of just even trying to figure out why you have a tendency to be someone who gossips, just in that time period, just be silent. Practice silence. Practice active listening. Now, I want to get off on a a tangent here just a bit. And I'm still going to be within the genre of what we're talking about, but I want to talk to you about something that hit me a little bit more personal this week. Uh, This past week, I saw a video with this young man, and it was trending all over the internet, and if you haven't seen it, I'm going to encourage you to watch it, but we're not going to watch it this morning. I wouldn't be able to make it through it again, but this young man was born with dwarfism, and in the video, if you watch it, um, he's nine years old, and he's talking about how he wants to kill himself because of how often he's being bullied at school. And so when I saw that, it truly broke my heart, and I pulled my two oldest kids in, one's nine and one's 11, and I made them watch it with me and my wife watched it with us as well, and after we got done, and all of us are in tears, um, I looked to my kids, and I said, not only do I never want to hear that you were the person being the bully, but I want you to be the kind of person that steps up for the people that are on the receiving end of this kind of crap. Because as followers of Jesus and as people of integrity, we are called to stand up stand in and stand for people that can't often stand for themselves. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so as your pastor, I want you, as painful as it may be to watch, if you have kids, young kids, I want you to go home and you'll be able to find it really quick. Uh, Go home and Google, just Google um, kid with dwarfism or dwarfism boy bullied, and this video will come up And I want you to watch it with your kids and use it as a teaching moment to call them up to something greater. Sorry. Verse four, a person of integrity is a person who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord. Uh, Maybe a more modern way to say this is a person of integrity doesn't keep company with bad people. Uh, maybe you've heard this statement, maybe you heard it as a kid, or maybe you shared this statement with your kids. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Now that comes from Proverbs 13 when Solomon says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, I have a statement that I've been using that I think even communicate that communicates this more strongly, uh, more bigly, there you go. And uh, it's this statement right here, it's impossible. I say this to my kids all the time. Lily, Jonathan, Avery, Madison, she's only three, so she doesn't understand it. But guys, it's impossible to live the right life. Impossible to live the right life if you have the, if you have the wrong friends. One of the things that we see Paul address, kind of in the same subject, in one of his letters to the Corinth church, he writes two, and we see two letters in the New Testament. In his first letter to the Corinth church, he addresses something that's happening. One of the things that's happening in this region, and maybe even in the church, is that there are people who are dismissing that the resurrection happened at all. And so in reference to that, he makes this statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. He says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. That's what he's pointing to. These people that are saying things like the resurrection never happened. Don't be fooled by those people for bad company corrupts good character. Can we spend some time here? Because I want to make sure you don't hear what I'm not saying, but there's an important point to be made here. Paul's Paul's saying, I'd be careful not to surround your life with people who don't believe the resurrection happened. Especially people who are telling you and trying to convince you that it didn't happen. Now, I'm never gonna be that guy, and I'm never gonna be a that pastor, even that tells you that you shouldn't have friends that don't know Jesus, because I think you should. But I I want to I wanna encourage you to exercise as much emotional intelligence as you have to make sure that if you're surrounding yourself, or even if you have a few friends who are unconvinced, unchurched, they don't know Jesus, that you're the one influencing them, and they're not the ones influencing you. And I think we have to exercise emotional intelligence here, because I do believe the Lord wants us to hang out with people, to have friends who don't know who he is. But if we were to simply look at this passage in the context in which it is given, and glean its wisdom, Paul's saying... I'm not sure it's wise to surround yourself with people who don't believe the resurrection happened. Let me do this really quick. I want to talk to the students in the room. Whether you're middle school, high school, college, age, I want to talk to you really quick. Because one of the things that I have seen many students do is they approach life with two things that I believe are flipped. And here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes I see students approach life with... with Um, I want to experience as much as possible. I'm going to determine what I want to do before I determine who I'm going to be. I'm going to determine what I want to do before I'm going to determine who I'm going to be. And I believe that subjects you, if you're a student in here, that subjects you to tons of influence that will not come from your Heavenly Father, but from a world who doesn't care about your Heavenly Father. And so what happens, and I'm especially seeing this in our younger generations, where it's like, hey, let's experience as much as possible. Let's try this and dabble in that, and let me have as many experiences first so then I can maybe make a better decision later, or maybe I'm going to do this for a little while, and yeah, 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 I know I'll get to that later, and I'll make the, the wiser decision later, and I'll make sure that I'm living for Jesus later, and that's completely backwards. First, determine who you're going to be. First, determine who you're going to be before you ever determine what you're going to do. Because when you determine who you're going to be first, it will help you navigate all the junk that is headed in your direction, all the things that this world is trying to convince you is normal, all the, all the potential friends that you have that are trying to say, everybody does this that's our age. Yeah, we, man, it's, just try it. It doesn't mean you have to do it again. Just try it. And unfortunately, I can tell you that I've lived this myself, that I made a lot of those mistakes myself. And sometimes I'm hesitant to even share that because a potential maybe uninformed student or immature student would say, well, look at you now, Aaron. I mean, it looks like you made it. It looks like you did all right. And so even though you made some mistakes and did some stupid things, it looks like you're doing okay. Listen to me, students, listen to me. Some of the biggest regrets of my life came during that season. Let me just try some things. I'll do that later. It wasn't even that I didn't believe in Jesus. Hey, let me do this now, and yeah, I'll do the right thing later, but let me experience as much as I can now. And I also probably hurt the most people in my life. You know why? Because our integrity, when we lack it and when we sacrifice it, it doesn't just affect us. It affects those around us. Let's pick up in... Or in our next statement. People of integrity are those who keep an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. Now, I don't want to belabor this too much. I feel like some of these are going to start to build on one another, so let me start to speed through these a little bit. Here's what I would say about this one. Keep your promises. Be a person of your word. If you make a commitment, follow through with it. I love how James says it in, when, in The book that he writes, he says, let your yes be yes. If you say yes to something, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. So that goes for all kinds of different decisions, financial, relational, spiritual. In other words, if you said, if you've signed your name on a dotted line, so yeah, I'll make a mortgage payment, yeah, I'll make a lease payment, yeah, I'll I'll pay my taxes, whatever it may be. Follow through with that. Let your word mean something. When it comes to relationships, in the good and in the bad, in sickness, and in health. Let your word, let your word mean something. Spiritually. Father, I'm putting my life in your hands. God, I'm turning from my sin. I'm repenting. God, I'm accepting you as my Lord and Savior. God, I'm inviting you to come and be the leader and Lord of my life. And I know I'm gonna screw up, God. And that's why I'm so thankful for your grace because your grace is gonna fill every single gap that separates me from my heavenly Father. And you make that commitment, and yes, you're going to screw up, And this idea of repentance means to turn and go the opposite direction. And so as you're doing this, you are fighting. You're fighting against sin the entire way and not compromising to it consistently. That you're fighting, you're staying in the fight against sin, and yes, you're going to lose some of those fights. Thank goodness for God's grace. Be a person of your word. Let your word mean something. Keep your promises, let your yes be yes. Next passage. A person of integrity is one who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Now, I'm going to do something different here. I'm going to use this particular passage to set up a new series that we're kicking off next week. Because ultimately what David is getting at here is becoming a person of generosity. Uh, next week, we're kicking off a series uh, called Money Talks, and we're going to be in that for three weeks. And I'm excited for this series. Hopefully, you'll be excited for this series. And I wonder sometimes, like, are we still in that place, church? Are we still in that place where I, where I have to say, if, 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 I, if I say, hey, we're going to talk about money next week, that I have to say, now, I know some of you think that the church always talks about money. Do I still need to do that? Like, are we still there? Or do you trust me? Do you trust me to want to talk about the things that Jesus talked about. And just in case you happen to be one of those persons that came from one of those negative churches that use money to manipulate you, I get it. But if that subject, if me, if me even saying that we're going to talk about money next week or the next three weeks, and we're going to hit it from all angles, it's not just going to be about <clears throat> giving to the kingdom of God. It's going to be about money, period. And what God has to say about money. And if, if that, listen to me, listen to me. If that puts you on your heels at all can I challenge you this morning? Because if we don't want to listen to the things that Jesus talked about, ready, ready, do we care about the things that Jesus cared about? Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. If we don't want to listen to the things that Jesus talked about, do we care about the things that Jesus cared about? And so my hope is that you'll come next week with a posture of wanting to know how God wants you to look at your money. Last verse that David gives us. He says, whoever does these things... Will never be shaken. It's interesting. That's an interesting statement. When we put into place all those things we just went through that help us to become people of integrity, when we do those things, our lives will never be shaken. Reminds me of Proverbs 10 that says, People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Maybe I could say it this way a life without integrity is insecure. Right, and that makes sense. Worrying about being found out. What if they discover the real truth? What's gonna happen if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if I'm revealed? What if I'm exposed? What if that secret that I'm keeping gets out in the open and we live with this kind of insecurity as if the ground underneath our feet is shaking? But the opposite is also true. Because a life lived with integrity and aimed for integrity, it brings confidence, it brings security and ultimately peace. And maybe the most important thing is that it's attractive. And as we become people of integrity and our lives become more attractive and people look at us and see that there's another way, it's going to give us a platform to point to a holy God. Let me pray for us. Father, we need to do some business with you today. God, this is not about coming in here every Sunday and leaving the same people. God, we come in here on Sunday so we can be challenged where you need to challenge us, where your word can sharpen us. And God, we walk away wanting to maybe make some critiques and fine-tune some areas of our life so that we can become the, the people that you've called us to be. And yeah, we're gonna get it wrong. And that's why we're so thankful for your grace but never let that be a dismissive posture within us, which is, well, you know, everybody's gonna screw up at this, so I guess I shouldn't pay that much attention to it. Father, help us to be different. Help us to be men and women of integrity. And as our lives become more attractive, remind us that that's an opportunity to point to you, our holy God. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna transition into a time of response right now. if you're new here, we do this every week at Trace. And one of the number one things that we do during this time is we celebrate with something called communion. Now, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've never made that commitment, we're we're incredibly grateful you're here. Uh, but this is something for those of us that have already made that decision. And so what we're gonna do is we go to one of these tables where you see a cross and we take a cracker that represents the broken body of Jesus that was broken for you. And we dip it in a cup of juice that represents his blood that was spilled out for you. And because of his blood that was spilled, your sins can be forgiven. And so if you're here today and you've never yet made that decision, it's the number one thing, it's the number one decision you'll ever make in your life. And the easiest way to get that conversation started with us is to fill out the connection card in front of you and just let yourself be known and say, I'd like to talk about this. We want to talk to you about it. But today we're going to do it different as we've been doing it uh, throughout this series. Uh, Don't take it immediately. As you dip the cracker into the juice, would you bring it back to your chair with you? we're going to take it together as a church family. Now, for those of you um, that this message is kind of like it's, it's maybe opening a wound a little bit, maybe it's scratching on something that you know you've already needed to pay more attention to, would you just give God some space right now? Would you give God some space to point out and to convict you potentially, to to draw you and to move you in a better direction, but also in the process of that, if you don't know your heavenly father that well, remember that he does not lead with guilt. He leads with grace. And so keep that in mind. And for those of you that maybe need to get something off your chest, feel free to go back to one of our prayer tables. You can write out maybe a confession when it comes to the subject of integrity, or maybe just just something you, you need some help with. And we'd love to carry burdens with you through prayer. It's one of our one of the best ways that we can help carry burdens with you is through the power of prayer. So I'm going to pray for us right now and then I'll encourage you to go to the tables, grab it, come back to your seat. We're going to take it together and our worship team is going to lead us through one more song, one of my favorite songs right now, so make sure you don't leave. Let me pray. Father, we lose sight of so many things. We're busy people. We all have full schedules. We have kids to keep up with and maybe that keeps us at times from paying attention to things that we should never lose sight of I definitely believe integrity is one of those but even above that is the cross it's the sacrifice that Jesus gave on our behalf the fact that one day our eyes will close for the last time that's something we all have in common And when they do they will either open in eternity or they won't and so this is a big deal so father remind us of what you more actually remind us of what jesus had to go through so that gap between us and you could be filled and that we could receive the gift of eternal life so god in this response time would you move let this be a thin space between us and you I pray this in christ's name amen feel free to respond